a little delayed because of childcare, so I was hoping that Patty would hold down the fort for maybe an hour and a half, but <laughs> so it didn't happen, did it? Um, and of course, you know, last week was the week that I was, I was um, anticipated to be teaching, and of course, being that we weren't here last week, gave me a whole nother week to focus in on the lesson after I sent it off to Whitney to have Patrick and so forth. And then, of course, all week long, so many things kept coming in, like, oh, why didn't I have this, and why didn't I do this? I did wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning like Margie did a couple weeks ago, um, so I thank the Lord for that. I did get some sleep, but um, on the way here, there were things. I was about to start opening up my Bible and start shuffling around, and my, my brother's a police officer here in the county now, and he was getting ready to leave as I was, and he said... Uh, don't you dare! Don't, don't be, don't be, don't be doing that as you're driving. You know, so, um, so I, I was just trying to prepare, coming in, thinking I'd have a few minutes here and there, and of course, I didn't. So, bear with me because, as many of you have told me in the last um, year, Rachel, you talk so fast. <laughs> Calm down. And so, I'm going to take that and take it very, um, very much to heart. So, you'll see me talking slow in the beginning, but if I end up towards the end talking. You know, I just ask that God interprets that, interprets that to you in a slow motion message. Um, so forgive me for that. Okay, so today's lesson is the end of uh, chapter one, Philippians twenty-seven through thirty, and basically uh, the title is "A Life Worthy of the Gospel." Okay, well. Some things came into mind as far as trying to teach this lesson. And there's so many avenues you can go when teaching a lesson, but this one struck me a little bit more than the others. Although the others kind of balanced out throughout the last week. I thought, oh, maybe I should do this one or this one. But no, this is the approach I'm going to go with. I'm going to stick with it because God placed it on my heart. Um, So number one is uh, the title here, To Be or Not To Be. That is the question. And that's kind of the question we're going to ask ourselves today is to be or not to be. And a matter of fact, in order to really have this penetrate into your um, lives, I I want you to kind of reflect real quickly on some of the past messages that we've done, especially in the last few weeks um, with Patty and Margie and some of the key things that stuck out because those are the things that when you when you get those little uh, aha moments and you capture that that moment of what that teacher is saying or what you've read in the Bible and it just sticks with you, that's what you should carry out. That's what's, that is protecting your heart, protecting, you know, your life as far as what you're supposed to go out with. As a matter of fact, last week, Mar- or two weeks ago, Margie had wrote on the board, if you recall, for those of you who aren't here, she's, she asked us, well, what, what do you live for? And so we were throwing out some, um, things that we live for, like um, kids, or husband, or retirement, or shopping, or whatever those were, and then she took it to a different level. She put, well, now let's add um, a Christ with, or a Christ in this thing that you're living for, and how does that change your whole perspective? Well, that really hit strong. So, throughout the last couple weeks, I know that I use that going forward, and I live my life remembering that uh, that teaching, and that's what's so important about these teachings. If we're walking out of here with nothing, um, then maybe we need to maybe we need to calm our hearts and ask the Lord to really open up our, our hearts, open up our minds, and allow Him to reveal these messages. And I have to reiterate these the messages that that are being taught are from God. I I am merely a vessel. I have to reiterate that every time. So I, I try not to infuse too much of my um, thought process, but I will infuse my testimonies on how God works in my life. And I just pray that it's I'm just merely a vessel. And because I like to talk, God uses me to talk. <laughs> Merely a vessel, okay? (laughs) So with that being said, here's some key things that I thought would be kind of interesting to walk out with. Some acronyms. Well, there's several acronyms acronyms out in the world, um, or abbreviations, and with Valentine's Day coming up, you'll see a few in front of you on your uh, study guide. One is SWALK. Well, 
That means sealed with a loving kiss. Um, BFF, best friends forever. Here's another one. Holland, um, hope our love lasts and never dies. Or frog, fully reliant on, on God. There's another one, push, P-U-S-H, pray until something happens. Of course, we've got to remember <laughs> that with God, that some, the something that happens may involve me doing something. We just don't wait. We, we're, you know, we're praying to have some revelation. And then, of course, there's a really important one. One that is probably the most familiar for us as, as Christians is WWJD, and that is what would Jesus do? How many of you, just raise your hand, how many of you have some type of article of jewelry or clothing or accessory that has WWJD on it? Raise your hands. Okay, some of us? Okay. Okay, I do. I do. I do. And I got it way before I recommitted my life to Christ. My mother gave it to me. I think she was trying to send a message um, as a reminder. And being in a Christian home, she gave me this bracelet, WWJD. It's silver. When I went off to college, I think I told many of you that when leaving for college, my mom looked at me knowing that I wasn't prepared. Um as far as spiritually in the battlefield, and she thought I was a lamb off to slaughter. And she gave me this bracelet, and basically I looked at that and I thought, yeah, that's true, what would Jesus do? And with that thought, that was all I had. I, I, I wore that. It was kind of like my my little sign to say, hey, I'm a Christian. However, the difference between what Paul is writing and what we're going to study and what I was doing was completely different. Yeah, I had this little sign that signified, yeah, I'm a Christian, but was I authentic? Um, I, I wasn't. I wasn't living a life worthy um, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to talk about. The, if, if there's any acronym out there that signifies what Paul's saying, it's it's this one. What would Jesus do? As a matter of fact, Paul really talks about that um, a little bit more in detail and really signifying back to the gospel, which we know is about Jesus Christ. But to take it a step further, because I myself have taken the acronym WWJD very, very um, surface and very for granted, I'm going to take it a little step further. I'm going to use the word B. And whether we use it as B-E or as just an abbreviation, B. If there's anything to walk out of today, I want you to remember that. Just B. And what I mean by that is B in parentheses, B-E, means in, in this study, living a life worthy of, of the gospel, persevering, having courage, abiding in Jesus, standing ground, being rooted, refusing to take your eyes off Christ. That's being. Being. Not I'm going to be or maybe I'll be someday. Day because I'll tell you, and this is a reflection I had when Margie came over and her husband on, on Monday, and we had a little reflection, reflection about kind of our walk in the past when we were younger, and I'll tell you, being a 20-year-old and and thinking I was a Christian and being a Christian was two totally different things, and it's very um, it's very familiar in this world. A lot of people wait until um, they get a little bit um, past their prime, or they have kids, or they're married, to really focus in on being and trying to seek that out. Well, the time is now. And um, that's a little bit of what Margie was talking about on our last lesson was it's now. Infuse Christ in these activities now. And that's what that's what Paul is going to be saying in this passage. He's saying, be it. Be worthy of it now. Not tomorrow. Not in two weeks. Not in a year. Not when things are good. Do it now. Okay, so here's the issue though. Being is pretty tough. And it's, it's really hard for most of us. We're human. We have the flesh. We have the battle of the flesh. And that's the struggle with a lot of us right now in this room. Either we're idling, or um, we, we're not—we're not to the point where we feel like we can surrender. Whatever that is, then we better be in battle. We better start getting serious about being in battle, and that's what the BB means. <laughs> BB is going to be the acronym for being in battle. So if you're not going to be, then you better be being in battle to get to the B, if that makes sense. So, and I'm going to retract real quick. I have to tell you, <laughs> after the lesson was sent off to Whitney for her to. Um, 
to copy this lesson, my husband and I do a 30-minute devotional time or Bible study time every night before bed. And he said to me, hey, Rachel, why don't you just read to me your, your lesson? And I said, oh, that's great. Let me do that. And maybe it's because I was talking too fast. I don't know. But I was going through this, and my husband's like, I don't get it. I don't get it. I'm like, oh, oh. So hang with me, please. And if you're not hanging with me, just pray to the Lord that there's some kind of interpretation that you get it. Um, But maybe some of this will make more sense here. But to me, I had to have those short little acronyms. B, right now, or B, B. B in battle to B to the B. So if I'm not in the B, I need to be battling. And that's kind of the, you know, the fight the good fight type effect is really battling. And there's the other option, and that's failing. That's F for fail, just like a report card. Failing to do so. Meaning, not meaning, you know, I'm really trying and then failing. It's really not trying. And, or maybe I did battle and I failed, but guess what? I'm not going to fail again. And if I, re- if I continue to fail, then I got to do something different. I got to battle a little differently here. And we got to do that through Christ. So that's what we're going to get to on this. And through the, through the conduct of being uh, worthy of the gospel, we need to do that. So remember those three scores there or those abbreviations. B is being a life worthy of the conduct of, of the gospel, or BB, you're actually battling, because I know there's certain things in my life that I'm battling to get there, okay? I'm battling to abide in Christ in these areas. Um, I, you know, as we grow through our walk with Christ, he's going to reveal so many things, things that he's not revealing to you now. He might reveal to you next week or a year or two years, and then he'll be like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I didn't have this revelation earlier. And he, maybe it's a conviction that he's given you, or maybe it's something he's laying on your heart, and it's transforming you. And that's part of what the Bible is. That's actually what the Bible is, is to grow and mature, grow and mature, grow and mature. And so we should be continually to battle for the rest of our lives as we refine and God prunes us and so forth. And then, of course, then there's the F, the failing. Okay, so those are the three. Now, our world, the worldly ways, pretty much as far as um, as, as Jesus Christ and God is concerned, or the Trinity is concerned, we fail as the world. We're, we're in that worldly life of failing. We will acknowledge we're Christians, or we we can say we're Christians, or we believe, but are we actually conducting our lives according? Are we failing at that? In most cases, we are. And so hopefully today, um, God will really um, work in your hearts on, on being better at that and how to... How to had to do that um, as far as a process. But here's what I'm going to do to kind of get an idea of where I'm coming from. Because I do like word pictures. I'm a little bit more um, connected with word pictures. Um, there are two bags of candy around your table. There is a hot um, bag, which are hot tamales. And then there's a sour bag. Now, if you don't want to partake in this, do, do not do that. If you don't uh, feel, obvi- you know, you're not obligated. So don't feel like you have to, especially if some of you are, are kind of uh, avoiding sugar and so forth. So if you can just take a minute, go ahead and each of you take one or two or one of each and um, just see how you do with those different flavors. I want to see maybe kind of your expressions when you're, when you're eating those, um, what you might think. There's a sour one and then the long ones, the um, smooth ones are the hot tamales. And I would not torture you, so so you can you can play a little fear factor here. Now I would have a couple minutes just to view you guys because it's kind of funny up here to watching everyone's faces. <laughs> but I have to move on since we had a little delay in the beginning. Okay, so as you're eating these, you're going to notice one flavor is very hot, one's a little bit more sour than what we normally intake on a daily basis as far as our foods and so forth. And if I was to 
say to you, hey, folks, if you're going to, I'm going to give you these candies, but what I want you to do, some are hot, some are sour, what I want you to do is I want you to maintain the most peaceful face throughout the whole duration of you consuming that candy. And most of you with these types of candies can do that. I, 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 but a few of you, I saw this and I saw, and I saw, you know, so there's, there's a few of those expressions. So what I'm basically telling you is whatever you do, friends, Keep a face of calmness when you're eating these. Don't um, allow your emotions or your feelings to to exasperate your, your looks here. But make sure that you're calm, okay? And some of you are doing that. Some of you not so well. Now, let's take that to a different level. I say to you, whatever you do, friends, when I give you this lemon to eat or this jalapeno pepper to eat, do not make a facial expression in any in any sense. I want you to be like as as pleasurable looking, as pleasing as you possibly can. That would be hard. Yeah. I have done this accidentally in my eyes with contacts. It's a horrible. It's I mean screaming and yelling and forget I don't know who's around me. Um, lemon, same thing. Have you watched a little baby just on innocence taking a lemon and, and you know, uh, squiggling around and making a funny sour face. Well, that's kind of the the analogy I want to get to you today because in the context, what Paul says here, and if we move down to Philippians one twenty seven thirty on your study guide, listen to what he says. He says, whatever happens, and let me tell you, he's talking to all of us here. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So, in a, in essence, what I was saying to you when I give you this um, this lemon and this jalapeno not just the small sour candy and not just the hot tamale that you can get through with a pleasing face. Yeah, you can all do that pretty well. That's mild though. I'm talking lemon and jalapeno pepper, whatever I, whatever happens, these things, these cases, you better be conducting yourselves worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's what he's saying. So when I present to you those mild cases, most of you can, can handle that. We rarely get these dealt to us, some of us. Some of us get slammed with these. And it's very hard to be conducting worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says, it, it, he's commanding, that's a command, whatever you do, lemon or jalapeno, conduct yourselves worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's tough. And we have to acknowledge that is tough. Um, but I'm going to read the whole verse here so we can keep this in the forefront as we move forward. Okay, continuing on. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Whatever happens, those are the two words. We get the impression there. There's a lot going on back in Philippi with the Christians there, of course. And whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the Christ of the gospel of Christ. Well, that is coming from Paul. And where is Paul when he's writing this? Do you remember? He's prison, so he might be pretty close to some of these lemons, maybe even a jalapeno, um, considering what Marty was teaching us a couple weeks ago with, with kind of the atmosphere of what's going on when people are in prison and, and the things that can happen when they're in prison. That's a jalapeno if you're in, a, um, if in an arena with hungry lions. I mean, that's a jalapeno right there. And so what he's saying is this is nothing. This jalapeno is nothing. So whatever happens, okay? And the only reason why he's saying it's nothing is because 
it's abiding in Christ. When you're abiding in Christ, it's nothing. But when you're not, it is a jalapeno effect. It's horrible. It's torture. Okay? So whatever happens, well, that is hard. It's surely impossible. I'm going to read it again in verse 27. Whatever happens. He didn't say when it happens or if it happens or maybe if it happens. Someday. No. He says whatever happens, meaning in the now, in the in the present, in the future, whatever happens. Well, that might be <laughs> all right for Paul, and that's kind of what we think because he was a super Christian. Well, he was next to Jesus, but not me. That's kind of what some of us are thinking. But we have to remember that Paul was not writing to the super Christians alone, if that. He was writing to everybody. He's writing to the brothers and sisters. He was writing to all saints, which, again, remember, Patty uh, talked about this. Saints are fellow believers in, Je- in Jesus Christ. That's who he was writing to. You, me, um, John, Patty, um, the, the Christian that was puny at one point, you know, those those are the people he is writing as a unified group. Um, so when we talk again about the whatever happens, this is an inescapable, and that's your feeling, an inescapable obligation to conduct ourselves in a matter worthy of the gospel of Christ as individuals and as a church. This is a call to practical holiness. Okay, and that, again, talks about the saints, you know, when we're talking about each other with the church, okay? Our holiness must come out in practical ways. I want to stop there for a second and talk about practical, because practical is realistic And when I think of practical. I'm talking about the, now, these little things coming into church, um, the, pra- the realistic um, tendencies we have on a, on a day-to-day basis. You know, yes, I'm, I was talking about jalapenos and, and lemons as the degree to whatever happens, but it's even the little hot tamales or the pinch of salt or the whatever it is. It's practical. It's realistic ways as well. So don't get confused of, oh, it's the big, big grand scheme of things when we're suffering and these hardships are coming. He's talking about even the little things, like what I have talked about in the past for those who are mothers, your kids, or, you know, those who are married, your husbands, or those of you who have grown children. You know, it's those little things. Or maybe those of you who have road rage or um, impatience, whatever that is. But practical ways. It has to come out in practical ways. And in order to understand that, we need to discuss the gospel a little bit. So, the gospel... Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John taking those four chapters really talking about Christ. Well, let's get an idea of what the gospel says. Did you know that there's over 600 passages in the in the in the gospel alone um, where there's commands of what to do and what what not to do that Jesus commands of what to do or what not to do to live your life holy or to live your life worthy of Him. And in the in the in those chapters, um, he uses a lot of parables to announce that, and there's a lot of straight out moments that he says, you know, follow me. Um, or let your light shine, or, uh, you know, all these different things. And you could just name them off like this. So what I'm going to do, just to get the grasp of the gospel, so we can understand, okay, a, a life worthy of the gospel, well, we need to identify the gospel a little bit more in detail, okay? So what I want you to do is I want you to flip your packet over, okay, your study packet over on a clean sheet, or just flip it over to the back side of another sheet. Okay, and I'm going to give you... I'll take two minutes, two minutes just to open up the Bible of the gospel, the first four chapters. And, you know, the easy thing to do here is you read the red that, of what Jesus is saying. Um, in most of your Bibles, um, whatever Jesus says is printed in red bold. Um, 
and you're going to find all kinds of commands. Either you're going to know them by heart, or you have them in your memory, so write them down. You don't have to write scripture down. Just write them down. So I'm going to give you two minutes, and as quickly as you can, write as many as you can. Just go through and just be, oh, okay, 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 okay. And just write as many as you can, or just words. All right? So two minutes on your own, and then we'll discuss them as a group, okay? On your own. You can flip to any chapter you want, or if you have something in memory. Okay? Okay, so we could go on and on and on all day with this. The gospel is full of things to do and not to do. And a matter of fact, I want a few of you to just shout some things out. I'm not going to rhyme down because there's so many, but we'll shout them out as loud as you can. Anyone want to shout some out? Huh? Seek. Do not worry. Stop grumbling among yourselves. Repent. Do not judge. Okay. Do not work for food that spoils, but food that endures. Do not work for food that spoils, but food that endures. Yep. Love thy neighbor as ourselves. I, I mean, there are so many. As a matter of fact, if I just opened up Matthew, I just did this real quickly this morning. Um, just like, oh, you know, I'll just open up Matthew and just and do this in 30 seconds. I, I found just in the first few pages, do not put your Lord God to the test. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Remember the Beatitudes. Um, and then also let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And then I look over and I flip over to Luke real quick and I open it up and I just, you know, kind of do one of these things. Oh, okay, but love your enemies, do good to them, and lend them uh, without expecting to get anything back. Where's my husband? <laughs> I'm going to mark that one. No, oh, that's for me. You know, just for that, for him and I. Um, but there's all these commands in here, and you're just thinking, bombarded with all this. This is the God, you know, this is what the gospel is talking about. This is what Jesus is talking about on how to conduct your lives. Okay, but here is what the definition of gospel is. I thought it was a good definition of gospel overall. Not just the commands of what Jesus is telling us to do. He's not telling himself to do this. Why? If he was telling himself to do this, this would be a whole different story. He's telling us to do this. This is for us. This is our instruction book right here on how to live and how not to live. And he does that to protect us, to protect our eternity um, so that we can join him in heaven. And not just with eternity, but if you really think further as, as well, that's the whole picture. It's he wants to protect us here amongst this world. He wants to protect us for his children. So he is giving us instruction, much like a parent with their child, saying, here's what, this is, here's what I'm, I'm telling you to do and what not to do. Because I want to protect you. I want to keep you safe. Um, I comfort you, give you joy, and so forth. And there's much reward in that. But here's an overall gospel. Ooh, rats. I brought a computer in, and uh, not good with it. Okay, here we go. Okay, so here is um, here is a good kind of summary here. But gospel. The gospel is the good news that we have forgiveness of sins through Jesus. Specifically, the gospel is defined by Paul, and he defines what it is in 1 Corinthians by saying this, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received, and which also you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And the gospel comes from God. It is the power of God for salvation. It's a mystery and is a source of hope, faith, life, and peace. So, salvation is found in the gospel. In other words, when a person trusts in what Christ did on earth... 
He bore our sins in his body on the cross and died with them, paying the price for our redemption according to the law. Then the person is saved from God's righteous judgment. We are declared right in God's eyes through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. And I thought that was very good when I think about that. And that's that's something I hold dear to my heart. I think all of us as Christian sisters do. But are we conducting a a life worthy of of displaying that message? That's basically what Paul is saying. Are we displaying that message? Because if we're displaying that message, we certainly will be walking the walk. And people are going to see that. And that sign will be bright, authentic, that we are that we are truly living um, that worthy of the gospel. Okay, so we're going to go into a little bit more, um, I guess, personal questions, because this might hit us a little bit differently now that we've looked at the gospel a little bit here. And, and I will encourage you to continue on with the gospel reading on, on what Jesus is telling us, because again, those are um, those are the commands. They tell us what and what not to do. There's a lot of different study approaches that you can go with that um, to apply that to your life. Um, but here's what I want you to do, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through this with you so we don't do it um, on an individual uh, table basis. What you're going to do is you're going to answer the following test yourself questions that I've, that I've listed here, and then discuss amongst each other after we after I go through these with you. Okay, and so you can grade yourself by using those three um, abbreviations that we talked about earlier. B would be bean. You're 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 in that right now. You you are the Lord. You've surrendered that to the Lord. You give it to the Lord. You're walking the walk with that. Um, B B would be you're battling. This is an area that you're battling. You're battling really to surrender, or you're battling to um, abide in Christ, dealing with the situation or handling the situation. And F is you just plain fail at it, okay? And be honest, because I will tell you, I've got so many revelations of failures. <laughs> it could take up days. So, um, But the great testimony is that, that, you know, we have the hope of Christ to, to heal that. Okay, so here's the questions, and, and just draw on the side, do a little score. Okay, first question, is my life really counting for Christ? Is it really? Do you think you're displaying your life? As if it's counting for Christ. Number two, the next check mark. Do the members of my family, the members of my congregation and those that I come in contact uh, with see that Christ has controlled my life? Do other people see it? Is in Galatians 2.20, Christ lives in me. Is that reflected? Do other people see that? Okay, number three. Do they see patience like Christ in me? That includes your kids. (laughs) Or your husband. Do they see purity in me? Do they do they acknowledge that I don't curse? Do they acknowledge that I don't partake in coarse joking? Do they acknowledge I don't partake in viewing um, things that are not God-honoring, such as in movies or shows? Uh, do they see the tenderness of Christ, the compassion of Christ in me? Do they see that my heart melts when someone's in need? Do they see that... Um, I need to give love to the stranger, the enemy. Do they see that? <laughs> because I know, for me, even in political situations, I have got to admit I've not had compassion. And I, I, God's pressing on my heart that that needs to change. Okay, do they see the love of Christ in me? Is my life manifesting or growing these above things? As I go out into the world and interact with others on the job, at school, during recreation, do they see any differences in me compared to those who profess no profession in following Christ? What about in my home? How am I reflecting Christ in my daily life around my husband, kids, grandkids, neighbors? And then how about this? Do they say, if you're a Christian, then I don't think I want any part of Christianity. 
Or do they say, if you're a Christian and if how I see your life is what being a Christian is all about, then I would like to know more. Circle one of those. Okay? So those are some questions to really ask yourself. Um, kind of puts a little bit of, of uh, kind of a different perception on, on really what we're dealing with here in today's world. And that's the question that I ask myself, um, which is, I wonder how we would live up to the manner worthy of the gospel with all those I mean, there's many more check marks or um, check questions you can ask yourself to see if, if your life is relevant to what Paul is asking us to do. And in this day and age, just like back in Paul's time in Philippi, it was the same. We had the same type of warfare. Satan loves to attack and loves to rule, try to rule the earth and, and get footholds, and we're still battling that today. It will be an ongoing battle until the return of Christ Jesus. The tests of life are so hard that unless Christ strengthens us to do so, and I want to point that out, unless Christ strengthens us to do so, we cannot go on. It is only in him that we can do all things, and that is stated in Philippians 4.13. As we allow the Holy Spirit to work on us and in us, he will change us, but we need to be open to his challenges, to his voice, to him changing us. And that's really important. So many of us feel that we are not worthy of course, Jesus Christ didn't come down to die on the cross. <laughs> you know, for us not to be worthy, that he gave us that gift. We are, we can, we can live with that gift. We're worthy to accept that gift. I mean, we are, we are his creation and he wants us. But I'll tell you what, we are not going to be, we are not Jesus Christ. I mean, we, we are going to strive to be like him though. And Satan is going to try everything he can to get a foothold to destroy that opportunity. So in order to to know how to be, we need to figure out what is the way to be. What is a little bit more of the process? I mean, we know the gospel. We know we need to be, um, you know, walking the walk and, and being in the word and um, and being in Christ. But here's here's a sequence that I, I thought was pretty interesting. And the reason why I bring this up is because um, I think we have a sequence backwards sometimes. <laughs> I know I used to, especially in the ages of 20, I had the sequence backwards. And, and what I mean by that is we've got two sequences. We have the be, do, have sequence, and we have the have, do, be sequence. So let me explain, first of all. Okay, the sequence we want to have is the be, do, have. We want to be living that life worthy. Okay, we don't want to wait and then be that life. For example... I'm, I have been very guilty of saying, you know, when things get better, I'll, or I have more time, um, then I'll start reading this Bible a little bit more, and then I'll be a better person regarding my enemy or the person that I'm having a hard time with, okay? Um, instead, we need to flip that around, you know? And, and another analogy I should probably make clear so you kind of get the gist of this, because this is where my husband was starting to get a little confused, was it's like if we are, you know, we've got hearts to give to people, and some of us are in a financial pinch, especially nowadays. And so often we think, especially with the nice little lottery schemes going on, you know, if I won the lottery, then I would give, you know, uh, $1,000 to the church or $100,000 to the church or the person on my block that needs it, then I'll give it. When I win the lottery, and how many times have we dreamed that? If I got a million bucks, this is who I'd give it to, you know? Well, <laughs> that's great to dream, but that's it. That's if that happens. Well, instead, we need to be, we need to have that heart of being now. You know, if those people are being laid on our hearts, if the church is being laid on our heart, if our neighbor is being laid on our heart, it might not be money that we are giving, but it might be, it, it in most cases, will be something else. It will be whether you're witnessing 
to them. You're becoming a friend. You're a, a loving neighbor. Um, you are giving um, your time at church because, you know, you don't have the extra money. Um, and I'm not talking tithing. I'm, I'm, I'm talking, like, let's say it's, you know, you have extra money to spend and so forth. Um, or um, maybe it's it's your children. You know, when my children get out of that phase, um, then, you know, um, I'll be a better parent or whatever that is. Or You know, well, that time is never going to come in most cases. I mean, unless you go through a lot of um, lost time and lost opportunity, a lot of suffering, unnecessary suffering. Instead, we need to honor the Lord and be now. And so when I talk about um, on the be, do, have sequence, we, we need to kind of refocus our shift on um, striving to be that. So that means going back to battling. So battling to be that. So uh, I'm going to have to start working on abiding in Christ. I'm going to have to start um, um, asking the Lord to give me the strength to reveal himself to me so I can be worthy of living a life or a life worthy of the gospel of Christ instead of doing it backwards. And so many people have done it backwards. And I think that's kind of our, um, kind of our, uh, I guess uh, culture, in a way, is, you know, um, we, we just expect it to be that way. And uh, we are going to get there at some point. Um, but that's not how God intends it. Um, here's the question that I want to point out. So if you're following me on that sequence, uh, maybe some of you have some better analogies at your table, I want you to discuss this. So which sequence do you tend to follow in your own life? What are some examples of each sequence to get the idea? Because, again, I want to focus in on the delay process of us. Why aren't we being... Living a life worthy of the Christ of Christ Jesus right now. Why aren't we? Um, what is the delay there? Because if it's a delay, then we're we're living in the other sequence. So why aren't we? But there might be some aspects in your life where you are living in that sequence. I'm being it right now, you know, in this area of my life. But in some compartments of my life, Patty's talked about that lots of times in the past. You've got a suitcase, you've got different compartments of your life. Um, maybe a certain part of your life, you're, you're just not there. You're, you're kind of waiting. Um, or maybe you're waiting for God to reveal something or, or whatever that is. So let's just take a minute, as complicated as that may seem, hopefully it will kind of come all together with some ideas going around the table. And as we press forward with that idea of a different sequence of of our thoughts. Um, So let's take uh, about a minute or two just to discuss that if you have a chance. Okay? Okay, I know I'm cutting a little bit of table time short, but I just realized we have two more full pages to go through. (laughs) Typical. Typical. Okay, so again, I was hearing some really neat conversations kind of through um, throughout the tables here, and um, I, I heard a lot of, oh, if I knew I was going to be guaranteed, I heard this table talking about it a little bit, if I was guaranteed that this would happen, that it would be easier to be, um, so we're always looking for something, you know, and that's going to lead us into what we're going to talk about with faith, because that's a big part of being, is is faith, and, uh, you know, going forward with, with Paul, um, we need to remember that suffering is going to happen in hardships, and, and he still tells us whatever happens, I have to remember that in the forefront. This can be hard. I'm going to move on on our study guide here underneath your question. This can be hard when we separate hardships and sufferings from the whatever happens. And we tend to avoid discomforts in life to some degree. Isn't that true? One way is by the unworthy walk. In the flesh, we embrace the strategy of unworthy walking for survival in the world. And again, that key word is the world. We know that this is not the way to go. Striving independently of worldly things is the unworthy walk, and it leads to nowhere. But if we look at the other side, the walk of the godly... Is everything okay? Oh, you okay? Oh, my goodness. 
Wait, I, I'm not saying that because I'm, I'm concerned. But I have a chair analogy. Talking about faith and it's about breaking chairs. Oh my gosh, and that's my next thing. Is that not a God thing or what? Okay, I have to tell this story then. Because it won't make sense. Flash, are you okay? I, we're making humor of it because I know it's in front of everybody. Okay, yes, we're good. Let me tell you the funny thing. I had, this is what I'm talking about when I had to wait a week, you know, and I'm like, oh, my husband and I do devotions. One of the devotions, uh, I think Margie maybe was telling you this, was Billy Graham. Came, and he was Billy Graham, and he was, it was maybe in 1981, and he was talking about faith, and he was talking about the chair. And he said, and I, I'm sorry, I had to laugh. He said the analogy, and I don't mean it because this is so weird. He said the analogy of faith. You got to remember when you when you come in and sit on the chair, you have faith that, that chair's going to hold you up, right? <laughs> we do. How many of you came in and expected that? You know, do I inspect this chair or did I inspect the stage when I came in to make sure it was okay? I mean, how many of us? So that was the analogy I wrote right on here about the chair, and it's right before that chair just fell. Well, we know that things happen, and <laughs> there's another analogy. Thank you for being, that was all planned. That was all planned. Okay. All right. So moving back, that's so strange. Strange. Okay. This can be hard when we separate hearts, so I'm going to reread this so we get the gist of this, and I'll keep on with the Billy Graham thing because it comes into play. Um, when we separate hardships and sufferings from whatever happens, and we tend to avoid discomforts in life to some degree, one way is by the unworthy walk, and the flesh we embrace the strategy of, of more than walking for survival in the world, I pointed out world, and we know that this is not the way to go. Striving independently for worldly things is the unworthy walk, and it leads to nowhere. But, if we look at the other side, the walk of the godly man and woman, we know that when we are standing firm in one spirit, we don't go back and forth from the world at one at one point, and then go back to the spiritual realm on our old terms. We need to stand firm in one spirit, and that's what's continued in verse 27. A spirit of divisiveness, no, this will result in conflict. Stand firm in one spirit, oneness, with one mind, and that one mind is to be striving with the other one-minded people. Striving together, that's your fill-in, striving together. Um... Okay, before I read Ephesians here, and you can turn your book if you, in, into your Bible, um, Ephesians, if you like. But before I read that, I, here's a good analogy of this, too, with striving. Um, okay, so you take a, um, uh, one of those childhood races, like a three, um, what is it, three-leg race um, that many people do, maybe at picnics or social gatherings, outside fun with the family. And um, so, and I think I have a string in here. Um, so let's say my sister and I, and... Oh, you are! This will be better. Okay, so so I tie my legs here, our legs together. So now we're a three-legged team. Okay, we're not four, we're not two, we're three. So it's gonna take it's gonna take both of us to get to the finish line. Okay, so my finish line is over there, and we're in a race. We're in the race to the finish. Okay. Um, we're fixing our eyes on the finish line. Okay, but what if we run and I stumble, okay? What is she most likely to do? She can stumble too, but will she just leave me in the dust and say, oh, we give up? No, she, she, she's going full force. What's she going to do? She's going to reach down and she's going to pick me up and say, come on, let's go. Then she stumbles. Then I'm going to reach down and pick her up and say, come on, let's go. And we're fixing our eyes on that race there and our... But this analogy here is that if it's just me and I'm leaving people in the dust, 
Beth and I opener. We're supposed to strive together like-minded. Okay, my sister's here. We're supposed to strive together in a three-legged race. If you stumble, I pick you up. I stumble, you pick me up. And then we get there. Okay, do you see that analogy? And that race, that race, fixing your eyes on that, on that finish line, we're fixing our eyes on Jesus the entire time of our lives as our race. But if I don't have my teammate here attached to me, and I stumble, okay, me, myself, either I'm going to look back and be like, heck with you guys, or I'm going to be like, oh, this is too hard for me, too hard for me. And so that's what it's like so important as a church, as a unified front, you know, unity here, that we carry each other through these hardships, through these races. You want to know? No, we're good. Yeah, yeah, the whole time. Okay, I might stumble, and you'll take over. Um, but those are those are. That's a good analogy to me as a word picture. Is you know, if I was in a three three legged race, um, you know, that race, I, that is that's the prize there. Well, how many times you know do we come across scripture too that fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith? Fix your eyes on that, you know, and that's what's going to get us both. You know, when I'm weak, you're strong. When you're weak, so we're coming together, like minded. Okay, not selfishness, where I'm going to take off and leave you in the dust, sister. That's not what God is, you know, wanting us to be as a as a body of Christ and as a church and as a group as brothers and sisters, whether you're strong in your faith or whether you're weak right now. And that's so important. So we're striving together. In Ephesians 4, 1 through 5, if you've opened it up to, to uh, that part of your Bible, otherwise I'll just read it here. states this, As a prisoner of, for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Okay, so I, retra- I, I kind of go back on the scripture a little bit, and I think about that, three, um, that three-legged race, and I think, okay, with my sisters in Christ as well, be patient, or my brothers in Christ, the, the church here, um, humble and gentle. Um, so I'm not saying, come on, get up! You know, just going to come on, we can do this, you know. Be patient, waiting for that person to get up and, and knowing that you're going to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Um, bearing with one another in love. So all those things, we must strive. Strive, that's battling. When he's saying striving, I think of, you know, we're, some of us are not, and, and a lot of times we're not there. We just aren't there. It's really hard. It's it's really hard. And so we have to continue to strive. Just keep striving. Not give up. You know, keep striving. We're going to have failures. We're going to have some retractions. But we have to continue to strive. Um, and that's what... Um that's what uh, Paul is saying, striving, um, not giving up, not trying and then being like, okay, it doesn't work. No, continue. He's not giving us the impression by all means to give up on that. Okay, so the faith, it goes back to, you know, what we were talking about, the chair. Um, it was really interesting when Billy Graham, we were just listening to his sermons and um, just a sermon one night for one of our, that went along with one of our studies and my husband and I were like, you know, it's really interesting. That's so true. How is it that we can go through and we can go um, to our, our dining room table and we just plop up on the chair because we have faith that it's going to hold us up. I mean, we don't inspect it, you know, in this case. <laughs> we may have, but um, but we, maybe you guys today are going to walk out of here inspecting your chairs, but, but we don't do that. Or when you got into the car today, you have faith that the other driver um, is coming over that hill and is staying on that side, don't you? Do you have faith of that? Um, th- do you have faith that when you come into your house at dark, that same stuff is there? It's not removed? We all we have faith of all kinds. What's wrong with our faith with Jesus Christ and the gospel? What's wrong with that? It's because we're going back to that expectation. Someone mentioned it here on the table. Is we're expecting something. 
you know, before I start giving my all to being, we're expecting to be, or we're expecting to have some kind of reward, instant gratification right now, and then, once you reward me, then I'll be, okay? And that's not what Paul is saying at all. So faith, and that's continued in verse 27. Paul uses the term, the faith, when he talks about the faith of the gospel, the good news. Paul does not say, my faith, okay? And Paul does not say, our faith. And Paul does not refer to faith by itself, but Paul says, the faith. So, I I researched a a commentary, and I will be honest with you, I don't know which one I pulled this out of. I um, meant to go back and and make sure it got the appropriate accreditation, but I I failed to do that. But here's what that commentary said. Um, The faith, the doctrines and precepts of the sphere of Christianity is all the good news that God has given us in his revelation of the new covenant. Foundationally, Our one spirit and our one mind needs to be focused upon our position in Christ, who is the new covenant lamb. We are in the one who was crucified on the cross for our sins. We are in the resurrected and glorified son of God. We live in him. He lives in us and is governing over us right now as our Lord and King. It is his kingdom. The kingdom functions by the power of the Holy Spirit through the body of Christ, his church, of which we manifest the outworking of the law of Christ and loving one another in our actions. When we are at the test of life, this is where all the high grades are found. Be powered by the Holy Spirit. It is my personal responsibility to do all I can to be standing firm in one spirit and with the rest of you. I need to do all I can to stand with one mind with the rest of you. Striving together to show and live in a Christian life that is reflecting a true conduct of what it is to be a Christian. This worthy walk is to be consistent. That means consistent striving. Not just when you feel like it or when, you know, suffering blows over you. Margie talked about her son passing away. This is the anniversary of his death this, this past week. And let me tell you, I watched her all year long last year, and she didn't miss a beat. At least... She, in her walk to others. She did not miss a beat. She didn't wait till the suffering passed by. She's still suffering. She didn't wait because, look, that suffering is going to be ongoing, but it's a different kind of suffering. You know, she didn't miss a beat, and that's what he's saying right here. The worthy walk is to be consistent. We shouldn't wait until, um, you know, the wind blows over or the bad times go or, or our selfishness is out of the way and, and the pride and so forth. It's now. It's to be consistent now. And there's more. Paul wants us to have confidence and spiritual courage as we walk according to the faith. And he tells us to do this being firm, united, one spirit, one mind, striving together. And it says, stand without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. That's in verse 28. And that's interesting, too, because there's so many times we're so, we're so afraid of what other people might think of us. I, I've been there. I, I, I didn't know when to say things and when not. But I know when I'm abiding in Christ, things come out of my mouth that I can't explain. Or thoughts come out of my heart, just seep out of my heart that I cannot explain. But that's only when I'm with Christ. That's when I'm abiding with him, when I'm walking with him, when I fail to do so, when I'm idling. That's not so much the case for me. And then I'm of the, I become of the world. I'd be more impressioned of the world. Um, there was a time here on my cul-de-sac at my home where a bunch of ladies t- go walking and um, they come around. The, they came around the corner and I was outside and I happened to say hello and talk with them. They have kids my kids' age and um, this might have been a daytime group. And um, of course, some of you know I homeschool and I I, do, I I love it. It was something that's placed in our family's heart and um, for this moment we do it. Maybe in the future it'll be different, but um, we are very blessed. I'm able to do that. You know, I, I thank the Lord that he, that I am. For other people, sometimes you're very 
you're blessed to send your kids off to school. I mean, it's, it's a win-win either way, but for our family, that's what works. So um, I know these these moms came around, and um, I just, I, you know, we started talking about my kids being homeschooled and their kids in school, and uh, I started finding myself feeling like I was apologizing, and and, um, and they kept saying, oh, well, you're just so lucky, and I, I didn't say anything like, oh, God was blessing me, and, and then and all of a sudden, I was like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Lord, you know, this is my opportunity to witness, and I was just kind of going along with my everyday conversation with them, like, oh, you know, the Lord has really blessed me. I have opportunities, you know, that I wouldn't normally have, and and I just started to really open up to talking about the Lord. Well, that would have been a lost opportunity have I, had I not had been walking in the Word early that day to keep me accountable for for the for the day. And that's something that um, we often forget. It might be just mild cases, you know, like that, or it might be um, because I was afraid if I said anything about the Lord, what would they say? That thought of what are they going to say? You know, I you know, there's sometimes a um, a perception um, that comes with homeschooling sometimes, and um, and it's kind of sad sometimes. But um, but I wanted to make that clear that you know we we. You know, we are very appreciative of both public and homeschooling. And anyway, to make a long story short, I was in fear of what I might say would offend them. <clears throat> and I just trusted in the Lord, and everything was wonderful, and we had questions about the Lord. And it just was amazing. But that's only because I was abiding in Christ through my conversation towards the end, not in the beginning. Um, and so what we want to... Um, focus in on, I'm kind of moving here um, on, the, on the dark world, is that there's other things that we have to remember. Is that um, this world is just so sneaky. <laughs> and if we are not going to make an authentic sign, it's going to be really tough um, uh, for us as far as getting, um, you know, receiving uh, blessings, but also for those who are, who are really needing to, to hear the word. And so if I move on here, the opposite, those who oppose you, so that's basically um, the people who are not saved. Um, going back to our conduct, if our manner of walking as Christians is unstable, where we are disconnected from other Christians as a consistent attribute, and yet we claim that we are saved, then what is our sign showing people? Where is the sign that Paul says is a sign of salvation that others like, uh, um, that others see like a neon light in a dark world? So where is that sign? That's a fill-in right there, dark, I believe. Here's, um, here's kind of where I'm getting at. I can present a sign. I can wear my WWJD bracelet, and I can show a sign that, yeah, I'm a Christian. But that is not going to be a neon sign if I'm not walking or living a life worthy um, of what the gospel says me to do. And that's what he's talking about. You know, you want to be a neon sign. You know, those signs that just blink, you know. And we want to do it so much that people are just attracted to it. And, and in this dark world, you're an authentic Christian. You are known by the way you're conducting your life. If we're not conducting our life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, how are people going to see Jesus? And that's what he's saying. They are going to see Jesus through you. You know, and that's what we have to do, is we have to be that. We have to be that neon light, not just a sign, my bracelet. I have to go above and beyond to make it that a neon light because I want people to see Jesus. Okay, and it doesn't mean I have to be an evangelist. It means I am I am living the life worthy of what the gospel tells me to do. It means I'm patient. It means I'm following those beatitudes. It means I'm loving my enemy. I'm, you know, I, all those that we we're starting to list. There are people who think they are saved, and this is where it gets sad, because they are born into a Christian home. That was me. My parents were devout Christians, and my parents prayed over us all the time. And when I went off to college, I just figured I was saved because they were praying for me, and their faith saved me. I really believe that. I did. And 
I did not know Christ. Because my life was not worthy of, of the gospel. And I certainly had a lot of suffering and a lot of consequences for the life I was living, unfortunately. And it wasn't until I recommitted my life, really committed my life, saying, I am committed to you, Lord, that um, things changed for me. But also, um, you know, this was kind of thrown out in one of the kind of a study guide, but maybe they're in a cult of some sort, or maybe um, they do good works. I know several people who are fantastic people by just the good works they do, you know, but, you know, John 3.16, right? You know, God, you know, God brought us his son, and that's what we have to remember. It's through Christ. And so when we think of some of these things, and, I, and I'm, I'm very saddened by um, some of these thoughts, but that's, again, the world. And if we think of these things, we really need to put it in a perspective that tells us, guys, it's time. It's time to put on the neon because we got to do some, we got to do some work for Christ. And again, Jill last year taught us a lesson that said, you know, we don't do the saving. Jesus does the saving, but we certainly are the vessels, right? And so if we are, if we're discerning and we're listening, he will use us as vessels to do his works. So, and others are their sign is simply what they claim. There's a lot of, and I want to put quotes, religions that have a sign, and they claim that, you know. Maybe Joseph Smith for one religion. You know, that's their sign. They claim that, okay. Our Bible, Scripture does not. Don't, we don't claim those signs. No, we claim Jesus Christ as our Savior. Um, and only Jesus Christ. Question, was there a time in your life when you believed any of those? I know I told you that I, I believed that I was, I was saved because I was born into a Christian home. And um, that was something that um, that I truly did believe at one point in my life. And how far have you come since that point? So maybe just a couple minutes on, on um, that question for the people who have spoken the least. And um, have, have a couple minutes to discuss that, okay? Okay. Again, table talk is a little... Um, shortened because of the time that we have to, to press on here. Um, and so some of you have, have had some good ex- good talks about what you have maybe believed in the past or um, some things that you you believe that you were saved because of or whatever that may be or um, maybe you know someone, a loved one, and, and um, you're very concerned about that. But it's important for us to, to know the truth and it's important to us to, to, to know that the dark world is going to be full of so many different deceptions and we need to focus and on basically, you know, uh, being an authentic Christian, that sign, that neon sign. But part of analyzing, too, where you're at today in your journey is really looking back at how far you've come. I mean, it's one thing knowing that um, we're going to always, for the rest of our life, be striving. We're going to always, for the rest of our life, be growing and maturing. That's that's what we'll be doing until, the, you know, until, um, until eternity <laughs> comes. But here's something that puts it in perspective for me. If I was to have a timeline and basically look at the timeline of my life um, regarding my walk with the Lord and I'm really, um, you know, abiding in Christ and, and committing myself to being that, that authentic Christian. If I was to look back at when I left high school in 1993 and go to now, which is 2013, I always had that time, that, that, um, that view, I suppose, of that I was saved because of my Christian, my family's um, faith or my parents' faith, and that saved me, okay? So I had that view, um, and that has changed so much through the course of my timeline, whereas when I had a complete um, downfall of hitting rock bottom after 2003, I, um, rec- I committed my life. I should say I really committed my life, or for some of you would say born again, but I actually committed my life then to Christ, um, even though I, I claimed Christ as my Savior and I was a Christian, but I really committed my life to Christ 
on that date. And from then on, there have been times where I can look back and be like, okay, this year I was on fire. I mean, I grew so fast. And then this year, right here, maybe, you know, we had, um, we had some situations with uh, family and so forth, and I idled, and then um, I grew again, I grew again. But all these things through that pattern, um, well, if, if I'm growing through that pattern, that's great. That's great because I know 10 years down the road, I'll look back and look back at what I was saying today and say, oh, if you only knew how you're going to be in 10 years, you know, and so forth. That's a great perspective. But if I'm looking at my timeline, I'm like, eh, nothing's really changed for me. I don't get it. You know, I'm just kind of, I don't see any growth. Well, then we've got an issue here. And that's an issue of a change of heart. You know, that's, that's really an issue of abiding in Christ and really getting to know your Savior because your Savior wants to get you moving. You know, he wants to teach you things. He wants to reveal things to you that's going to penetrate you so much that you are going to live your life um, worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're going to want to do that. And if you're not feeling that way, or if you know of people that are not feeling that way, then look at the timeline. How long has it been that you've been idling? Has it been for a week? Has it been for a month? Has it been for a year? Because for me, a week is too much time to idle. And that idleness provides an opportunity for Satan to come in and the deception starts coming, the footholds get coming. I, I can't afford to do that. Now, I'm going to be battling in a lot of areas, and so are you, but I want to be, I want to strive to be living a life worthy of Christ. I've got to strive. I cannot idle. And that's so important. And I think that's an important sign of what an authentic Christian is. I think that's going to be your difference. I, I think it's going to be your difference because I look at someone that's gone through suffering, and even though they're suffering, they're having that jalapeno, they're saying, oh, but Jesus Christ, you know. I mean, they're, they, they, they are... You're seeing Christ through them. But for the rest of us, they're like, ah, you know, I'm suffering, and give me water. And um, there's, that's what we normally act like, right? But someone who's going to be so peaceful when they're eating that, that jalapeno or they're, they're encountering life at its worst, there is something to be said. That is the power of Jesus Christ living through them because no person on their own account can do that. Do you agree? I, I think so. I mean, I know that. I, I just cannot tell I cannot go through all the testimonies I've heard. I mean, with them, you know, so many of you, and I'm just amazed. I just admire your journey and your faith. And I hope, you know, so, so many wise women in here, and I just, you know, I'm just a mere vessel, but I do want to tell you, I feel like a peon sometimes because I'm like, oh, I just want to, I just want to have that. I just want to have that faith, you know. Um, certain areas I'm really good, but that area I just want to have that. And I can. We can. Because Jesus Christ gave us that option of free will to choose that. And I'm going to choose it. I'm going to strive to choose it. If I, if I can't be in the bee, I'm going to strive it. Um, and that's what an, a, a Christian is, is an authentic sign. So here, a Christian a sign, an authentic sign, um, to determine whether one is a true advocate or an opponent of the real Christ is whether the law of love for Christians and the real Christ is being manifested out of them. In 1 John, we find that loving the true brothers and sisters in Christ is a sign that identifies the true Christian. There is not a division of one spirit or one mind. Paul also says in Colossians to set your mind above the heavens and in Philippians 3.19-23, Paul also says that a walk that is unworthy of the gospel of Christ is re- represented by those who set their minds on earthly things. So, ouch. Because <laughs> earthly is big for us. And um, I, I am going to have to talk a little bit about this too. Again, a little stories, but... Um, yes, our citizenship is in heaven. Got to remember that. But who set their minds on earthly things? I still have so many little compartments. I'm going to tell you one of them real quickly, and within two minutes, I hope I get this done. I love Target. I see some of you at Target all the time, don't we? I 
Okay, I have to retract really quickly to get this point across because, you know what, some of us are thinking suffering is like, uh, are the big things, you know, or maybe the things in life that are distracting us are the big things. Well, it can be as minuscule as shopping, and I am a bargain shopper. I've told you that I do not pay full price for anything except for recently, and I will talk to you about that. But um, Margie gave me a book called Seven. Uh, Patty has talked to me about seven. It's all about materialism. I'm sure she'll talk more about that at some point. But it is a time in my life that I felt like I needed as well. It was a God thing that these um, mentors of mine put that on my lap, and I've read it. And anyway, to make a long story short, um, even though you go bargain shopping and you're trying to find something, that does not mean you're saving money because you end up buying five things of the cheap sale item, and you end up spending more than what you would on the original price cost. I mean, that is just, I don't know what it is, but it's that its that consumption mind, okay? And it's kind of, it, is, it has had a foothold on me. I will be honest with you. I'm queen of bargain, but it has foothold. Well, let me tell you a quick story. Okay, I'm wearing these boots for a reason. I've always wanted cowboy boots. I will never pull for, uh, pay full price or get leather ones or real ones. Just will never do it. I'll get the cheapies, and then they'll go bad on me in a year. But I told my husband, I really want cowboy boots sometime. And he's like, save your money. Save our money, and we'll, down the road, we'll get you a good pair of leather cowboy boots, and you can, you know, have them for the rest of your life. Well, no, not me. Of course, in October, Target has a pair of cowboy boots for in the 30s. It's not bargain, so I don't know the price. But because it's full price, I out of sight, out of mind. I'm like, i got to have them. And I call my husband, can I get them? Yes. Well, sure, 30-something dollars. Okay, that sounds like a steal, but you know what? They probably go bad in a couple years. I don't care. I want them now. Okay, he gave them to me for Christmas. I bought them. Okay, so I'm wearing them around. Some of you have seen me wearing them, and I've toned them on. And here comes a pride thing, so I got it. I'm working on it. Um, so... <laughs> My sister-in-law, love her. Oh, my little brothers were the most faithful servants, have been since they were young, whereas I fell off after high school. And my brother married a wonderful, godly woman, and she said to me when she saw me at a family together, I love your cowboy boots. I've always wanted some. They live essentially. They give their money away. They live a life worthy of the gospel of Christ, and I just want to cry because they're so beautiful. And she said to me, oh, I love your boots. And I said, oh, thank you. You know, they're at Target. And she goes, you know, um, my, uh, I really want a pair of leather boots, and it's this its this kind um, Danner or Donner, I don't know what it is. They're leather, but they're really expensive, and uh, Michael worked overtime for a month straight and got enough money, and for my birthday gave me $140, and he got a babysitter, and he said, come on, we're going to go get your boots, and she goes, okay, and they got in the car, and halfway through, she was praying, and she said, okay, can you just take me such and such first, and he said yes, and he drove her to this house, this rundown house, and um, he knows her going up to the steps, and uh, he t- she took the cash that he had given her and knocked on the door and just said a few words, prayed with the woman, gave it to her, and walked away. And she took that money for her boots and took it to a needy family that had nothing. And I just think, oh, I am so unworthy. I'm so... It just, it really bothered me because I have these $30 boots, but she had an opportunity to get these leather boots, and she gave it away. Well, here's what's so cool about that. She was being, that B word, she was being that servant living a life worthy of Jesus Christ. I hope she doesn't hear this because she'll think I'm just over-emotional. She's very essential and plain, and she would be, she does not um, want any glory. This is all God. Because she was listening to God. It's God's money. So she went to, they've been living in our house trying to find some housing, and she went to Goodwill to shop the next week for something. And she came back, and she's like, Rachel, I feel, I kind of felt guilty, but I felt like God really blessed me today. I said, what? And she said, she pulled out those same boots at Goodwill for $12. He blessed her with those boots because she was being, you know. I mean, I believe God does bless us with certain things, but she was patient. She was discerning. 
those same leather boots in her size. That's not a coincidence. God gave her those boots because she was listening and she was discerning. And again, it crossed her mind, I need to get those boots. Well, this book that I'm reading that Margie and Patty have, you know, really laid on my heart, um, talk about leather cowboy boots. And so I'm, I am just like, this is so such a uh, thing that I have to remember that my sister-in-law was, she was living, she was being in the moment, you know, she was, she was praying in the moment, praying consistently, doing everything in that moment that the gospel was telling her to do, you know, and, and the word. And that's, that's where I want to be. That's where I want to be. And I am convicted. I think that is, that is a testimony that needs to be heard because some of you might have been connect, convicted. If anyone sees me at Target, tell me to go home, tell my husband to come get the diapers because I will, you know. But, um, but I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. And those are some really things that show me that that is an authentic sign. My sister-in-law is an authentic sign of what the Christian woman can do with materialism, you know, with our things. And that was just really interesting, you know. Um, so that right there um, is an example. But here I'm going to kind of move on because we've got a few minutes. Remember the gospel is all of God's revelation concerning his son, the plan concerning Jesus Christ. And how much did Jesus Christ give to us? Everything. He gave us eternal life. He gave us eternal life. He gave us it all. All this is comforting rejection of the gospel and all the irritating opposition to two Christians is also a doctrine and precept of Christianity that is from God. And that from God, verse 28. The statement is ended with this very important point, and I want to make this because we have a few minutes on the next page. In the whole spectrum of the good news, the gospel encompasses the fact that the elect are saved. We are rescued from the domain of darkness. We have eternal life with Christ. That is a huge deal. A bigger deal is, with that being said, this is important, this must include that within the gospel, those in opposition to Christ and eternal life will be cleansed away from the presence of the Lord forever. This is what verse 28 says. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but they will not be, but that you will be saved. And this really kind of hit me hard because, you know what? I don't know if my neighbors are saved or not. You know why? There is no neon sight going off. There is, there is no neon sign. And I'm not trying to be, a, I'm not judging. I'm just saying, I know there's no neon sign saying, hey, I'm, I'm, you know, I look for the Lord. I, you know, I, I, I just, there's no neon sign. But in retrospect, do my neighbors see me being that? That's what's even more convicting. You know, because I'm thinking, okay, who, how is God going to use me to witness to my neighbors or my friends? How is he going to do that? And how what? You know, there's no other signs. But man, I'll tell you what, like, like-minded sisters, you know, I can, you know those neon signs. And you're like just compelled to come to them. You, you know, you have like-mindedness. You're talking about the Lord. I want to be a neon sign. I want people to look at me and say, okay, Jesus, that is, that can't be possibly, possibly, um, you know, you can't do that humanly possible situation, you know, without something. I've got to have that. Well, that something is Jesus. I want to live that life that shows that I can sacrifice because Jesus lives in me. If it was just me, I wouldn't be sacrificing, obviously, with the boots. There's a problem there. Now, I'm working on that. I'm, I'm acknowledging that. God has convicted me, and he wants me to grow with that. And I am I am metamorphosing. <laughs> I, you know, I, he's convicting me hard. And I just feel like, you know, that's exactly what needs to happen. I want people to see Jesus through me. I want to be able to take off my boots and give them to someone who needs them. Right here, right then, right now. And those are the things that 
are creating neon signs. You know, these neon signs, not just a sign, not just my bracelet. What would Jesus do? Oh, you must be a Christian. Okay, well, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that. I want people to see Jesus. And I can only do that with Jesus, me abiding in Jesus. And this is where I have to, I'm kind of skipping through a few things, so don't follow your study right now. Because um, by being, if I was to abide in Christ, listen to this. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither you can. Unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So apart from Jesus, huh. I'm no sign. I'm no neon sign. That's John 15, 4 through 5. John 8, 30 reports, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus is like, you're all in? Well, great. Jesus was seeing all these people raising their hands and walking to the front. Somebody was singing, just as I am. And they're all singing commitment cards. Jesus was like, this is a wholesale response. Look at the hundreds of people coming here. So he said, yeah, well, how about this? If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. The word abide means to remain or to continue. So again, going back to be and battling to be the be, that's kind of all this right here. That means abide, remain, continue. That doesn't mean give up. I'll wait till next year. I'll wait till my kids are out of the house. Until my husband shapes up. My neighbors are nice to me. That's not, that is not what Paul is saying. He is saying abide, remain, or continue. <laughs> Salvation happens at a moment in time, but it's demonstrated over time. That hit me hard. Oh, number three. Oh, we are rescued. No? Oh, it's on the back page. Oh, oh, we must try. Yeah. Okay. Um, on the last page. So again, I, I, I don't, I'm, I just need to, I need to be a better sign. I need to be a neon sign. Um, there's some scripture. I mean, can I skip to this because we have two minutes and that's it. But there's some scriptures um, just to talk a lot about, you know, battling the bee and so forth. But I do want you to um, go to the last page because we do need to just hit that that moment real quick. Be in battle to get the bee. We must try. This is that the Angela just asked about the um, fill-in. That's the fill-in. We must try. Jesus always told his disciples to follow his commands and never added anything to that statement like, if you are able to or if you can manage it. Um, here's some things that I find very valuable for me is I, I pray. First thing is I'm going to come to you, Lord. I'm going to thank you. I'm going to become, I'm humble in front of you. I ask you to convict me, to show me what I'm not seeing, soften my heart, open my mind, um, and, and just have an intimate relationship with the Lord. He's going to start revealing himself, but I've got to give him my time. Then I'm going to get in the word. I'm going to have, like Patty has said many times, this scripture pop out to you. Read until it pops out to you. And if it doesn't, be around your sisters who can start the conversation to do that. I I have great fellowship time with my friends, my sisters in Christ, because we start throwing things out and revelations that they're having. Um, And then, um, praise God. The glory goes to God. Those boots my sister had, my sister-in-law had, those were God's in the first place. She just was discerning of them. Okay? Um, Praise God that he gives us this opportunity to be together. Praise God for our sufferings because he's going to show me something out of that suffering. Praise God for the hardships that I have. Think about Romans 5.3 where he talks about suffering, rejoicing your suffering um, because it brings perseverance. Perseverance brings character. Character brings hope. Those are the things we need to guard our heart with because Satan's attacks are so strong out there that you you can't afford not to. You can't afford to guard, guard your heart with those.
So be in the uh, prayer, get in the word, praise God. And then be, remember, be or be in battle to get to the B or it's F, it's fail. And the only time it is wise to be an F is when I fail to be of this world. That's the only time you can flip that around. Okay? Anyway, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Philippians 1.27. If you can continue on with this study, um, I did put a little uh, clip there for their study um, to move forward. Again, we could go on and on and on, but there's the gist of that. Um, just go out like a neon sign. And, and let me close a prayer so we can, so we can head out. Here. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to be here, Lord. Um, whatever um, interpretation of this message uh, penetrates uh, each and every one of us to use it for, for your glory, Lord, and only your glory, Lord. Um, this is not about us, as, um, um, you know, our works at all. This is about your works, Lord. This is about giving you the glory. And for, for people to see you in our lives, Lord, um, just give us the strength to know that when we're not living a life that's worthy of, of uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you show a conviction or you give us a revelation um, that it's time to shape up, Lord, that we, we've, got, we've got some work to do here to be and, uh, and not to fail and not to um, be discerning, Lord. And we just ask that whatever works you put in our path, Lord, that we trust in you. We have the faith that um, through you all things are possible and that, um, that you give us the strength to do those works, Lord. Again, we lift up those who can't be here, Lord, and those sisters today that have the hardships that they're going out to battle. Their battlefields are before us, Lord. We just ask that you strengthen them uh, through those mission fields. And, Lord, we just love you. We, we honestly give you the glory, Lord. We just love you so much, and we thank you for all this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Aren't you glad? Oh, maybe there. Aren't you glad for the power of God that enables us to live for him? What a wonderful Savior. Before you leave, would you do me a big favor and make sure you take attendance around there so that you can see